0: with your personal message or logo and there's no minimum order so after the episode head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer now let's get on with the show
2: hey listeners it's big chief from the bourbon road and we are coming to you today from streamyard online we got a special guest on today, kind of near and dear to my heart, a distillery that I love, uh, some whiskey that they're putting out there that I really, really love. We got Dr. Rob Arnold from TX Bourbon, Firestone and Robinson out of Fort Worth, Texas, my home state. Rob, welcome to the Bourbon Road.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: Now, you're the master distiller there. You've been there as the master distiller for a while, but you're actually from Louisville, Kentucky, the Cherokee mm-hmm. Triangle, right over there by Cave Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know Louisville and bourbon really good then.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Louisville. Uh, my mom and uh, my mom's family's from Louisville. So my grandfather and my, all my uncles and my great uncles were actually in the bourbon industry. So most of them worked for Brown Foreman, um my uncle was uh ran an engineering firm there that helped to build distilleries um, actually kind of a cool full circle deal uh dave pickerel was um the consultant for for us for tx back at the very beginning back in 2011 2012 and he was the you know master distiller for makers mark and then became kind of the the consultant to a lot of us craft distilleries early on but um Dave's first job in the bourbon industry was with my uncle's engineering firm, helping to design and build distilleries. So, um, you know, small industry in hindsight, a lot of us have overlaps like that and, and fun stories and, and all, you know, in some way, you know, somebody um, that worked with one, someone in your family, you know, and that's just, that's a cool part about Kentucky and, and about Louisville, especially too.
2: Well, that's some badass lineage right there. Dave Pickerel, mm-hmm. like the godfather of craft distillery. And I now I now the ties are all fitting together. The links are all fitting together. That weeded bourbon that the mm-hmm. weedy king of Kentucky yeah. loves so much. Um, I, I'm infatuated with weeded bourbon. And now I can see the tie there from Dave to you guys and. Absolutely love it, but let's get straight to the whiskey because that's what we're here for, right? Um, I got the TX blended whiskey in my glass. Almost everybody can get this across the nation. Why don't you walk me through this blend?
1: Yeah, so it's a blend of different styles of bourbon um, and then different um, a style of whiskey called light whiskey. So it's uh, and as of right now, this is whiskey that we source. So we have we don't distill what's actually in the bottle of TX Blended Whiskey. Now, starting here in a few months, um, early 2022, the bourbon component of TX Blended Whiskey will actually be bourbon that we distilled at TX Distillery from Texas Grains and our Wild Texas Yeast and the, the, um, you know, the full gauntlet. But it's a, it's a really approachable, drinkable whiskey. Um, it's sweet, it's vanilla forward, the finish is pretty light. It's not too heavy. You know, it, it mixes very easily with a lot of different cocktails, and um, you know, it's a good one way we describe it a lot is entry level um, type whiskey that can be a gateway into the category for a lot of people. At the same time, you know, I still like to enjoy it, especially in regard to certain cocktails that it can play a role in that whiskey typically doesn't do a great job in. It's just kind of got very versatile nature to it.
2: Now our listeners are going to love this. Cause I, this is a great summer sipper. What's the price on mm-hmm. this bottle?
1: Uh, it depends what store you're in, but you can get it for around 30 bucks plus or minus a couple dollars here and there. Just, you know, if you go to a independent liquor store, it's a little higher than if you go to one of the big places, but um, you know, it's not a super high price point and it's a unique flavor. I mean, there really are few whiskeys on in my opinion, on the market that have this profile, um, very prominent vanilla, very prominent sweet profile, very, very quiet oak to it. So it's not going to be very astringent. It, there's very, you know, doesn't have that that big bourbon bold oakiness that's great in bourbon and other styles of whiskeys. But we really tried to quiet it down in this in this blend.
2: I'm actually getting vanilla ice cream on this with mm-hmm. some floral, yeah, yeah. floral notes. It, it is super beautiful. Like I say, cheers. Let me taste this sucker.
1: <laughs> a little bit of water opens it up. You get some, I think some more fruits, some chocolate notes coming out of it. Um, but it's kind of the beauty of it. It's not super complex. There's not a ton going on and that's, it's, you know, we were, it's okay. in your profile of whiskeys, you know, to have these very sippable drinkable, um not meant to be taken too seriously meant to be enjoyed and shared and, and by a lot of people you know
2: well I think that's a great thing to have the summer sipper or something the cocktail mm-hmm. it's 82 proof 30 bucks Um, I think you can get a little bit cheaper than that total wine yeah probably because they're sure. buying in, in such bulk of it
1: um, yeah, a great you know, little whiskey
2: the... to, to sip
1: yeah um, you know like it's a summer sipper is a good way to put it and it you know it you put it with some ginger ale or Sprite or carbon, you know, soda water. I mean, it's, it's a nice whiskey, um, for, for drinks like that, especially.
2: So let's talk about, uh, how did TX whiskey get started?
1: Well, our, yeah, it's founded officially in 2010 by our two original proprietors, Leonard Firestone and Troy Robertson. And, um, they were here in Fort Worth, um, had kind of already, or led successful business lives. Leonard was in broadcasting, and Choi was in oil and gas. Um, but they wanted to try to shift into this new world of what back then was new of craft whiskey. You know, Tito's Vodka is obviously um, massive, and it was massive back then. But especially here in Texas, and you know, they saw that, and they wondered, like a lot of us did. Okay, well, what about Texas whiskey? You know. Texans drink a lot of whiskey. They drink a lot of Crown Royal down here actually. That's a Canadian whiskey. Nothing wrong with that necessarily, but Texans are very proud of their state and and proud of uh where they come from and they reasoned that if uh if we could make Texas, you know, some Texas whiskeys, then why wouldn't Texans and people beyond Texas drink that? And so they, you know, we spent a couple of years um I guess probably about a year or so they were going about this path separately and then they were introduced to each other, uh, coincidentally, um, or I guess they were made aware of what the other one was doing coincidentally through Dan Garrison at Garrison brothers. Um, you know, a couple hours South of us outside of Austin. Now they already knew each other, Leonard and Troy, but they didn't know that they were both trying to start a whiskey distillery in Fort Worth. And so when Dan Garrison told Troy like, Hey, there's this other guy in Fort Worth trying to open a distillery too. Um, and he's like, it's Leonard Firestone. And so Troy called up Leonard and said, I heard you want to get into the whiskey business. And Leonard was obviously shocked because he had told no one besides his wife that what he was working on. But they went and had lunch. Uh, you know, basically the company was formed during that lunch and they went about the process of, you know, the business plan, raising money, finding a site, equipment, the whole, you know, the whole deal. I was in grad school at the university of texas medical center in dallas doing a a phd in biochemistry but uh during that the first year of my degree i started homebrewing and then messed around with home distillation um realized that a lot of the science i was trained on and learning could be applied to making whiskey and then I learned more about my family's background in the industry and I was just enamored by the whole thing and so I had this idea okay well, I'm going to stay in grad school and this is 2009 I'm going to stay in grad school but I'm going to open my own distillery on the side which would never have worked but I didn't know any better um you know I was 24 at the time 23 year but I started that process and through that talked to a developer in Fort Worth because I kind of figured well Fort Worth has this cow town this it's where the west begins it's maybe a better home for a texas whiskey distillery than dallas even though i was living in dallas and so i was looking in fort worth and talked to a developer and he told me well there's these other guys doing a distillery too they're not too far down the street from where you're looking and they, he told me their names and um i just googled leonard's name on and uh his email came up his gmail account so i i emailed leonard completely out of nowhere and just said look um I'm also going to build a distillery in Fort Worth, even though I had no money. But <laughs> he didn't know that. Um, but I guess I did. I, I kind of gave him this pitch. I was like, "I'm trying to raise money, and you know, I'm a 22, 23 year old scientist. I don't know anything about business. And how about we meet up just to talk, and if you give me a little bit of advice on." to do the business side of things i'll give you some advice on how to do the whiskey making side of things i guess i made an assumption that they didn't have a that they weren't distillers and maybe that they would want to have that conversation but ultimately what that led to was us having a conversation and the three of us realizing well we kind of all have very similar aspirations for what texas whiskey could be and how we want to make texas whiskey um rob why don't you join us as the head distiller and I jumped at it. And so I left my PhD program early with a master's. I kind of, you know, I'm a dropout, I guess, opted out, but I I did pull off a master's degree through that, but, uh, joined the company in, um, the early summer of 2011. And we spent the next six to eight months, um, building, you know, we, 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 uh, leased an old, really cool old brick building, 40,000 square feet outside of, um, downtown Fort Worth. And, Went about renovating it and installing the equipment, and got to making whiskey. And uh, I guess we did our first batch in February of 2012. And pick, Dave Pickrell was was there for, for you know that that first uh, for about a week or so during that the, during that startup.
2: How lucky were you to have that meeting and yeah <laughs> uh, be on board, and even to get to meet Dave Pickrell? I'm sure that was an awesome experience. Now looking back on it, you probably at the time did you really know who he was?
1: uh I actually, you know, I didn't. I probably didn't realize to the extent, especially when you know he was working with us. I think we were like his maybe his second or third client. I think Garrison Brothers might have been his first. Either either way, we was early on. He hadn't become the, I think he, you know, the Johnny Appleseed of craft whiskey. I think is what he's been, you know, the moniker that's been given to him because that's truly what he was. But back then, it was all still pretty new. But I knew he was the former Maker's Mark master distiller, and I talked to my uncle and talked to dave i was like hey my uncle's his name is rick panther and um i was like hey my uncle is rick panther and dave was like no shit <laughs> no that's you know so and that was a really fun part too you know i never actually got to hear some of these stories but dave said one of these days i need to we need to have a whiskey and talk about some of the stories me and your uncle had over in china building distilleries over there <laughs> so um <Wow. laughs> too bad i didn't get to have the conversation but it's a uh, it was a uh, It was a really fun experience, and you know it was the early days of craft whiskey and there was just uh, this amazing amount of freedom and um, when it came to what we were supposed to do. you know there was so little charted at that point as to what this craft whiskey movement was going to look like, and it was fun to be a part of that from early on. <sighs>
2: that I think the, the whole story to me is just awesome. How, you know, three different guys wanted to start a distillery and all you got really came together to mm-hmm. to make a distillery in, you know, if, listeners, if you haven't been to Fort Worth, Texas, um, and seen a cattle drive come down through there you still go to <laughs> yeah. a rodeo pretty much any night yeah. of the week there um eat some great steak mm-hmm. it's, it's just an awesome experience great food there and uh, and go to a distillery i mean why not why not go and visit fort worth texas and get some of the whiskey um so let's talk about your first bourbon which is the Tx, Texas straight bourbon whiskey, uh, ninety proof. Let's walk me through that. I got it in my glass. Um, then yeah, so sit down the blended whiskey
1: that we we started distilling that in February 2012. It, the genesis for it really started like when like hands on work actually started uh, basically the day I joined Tx and and left school, which was the summer of 2011. Because my first job with the distillery was to go on a wild yeast hunt, and because we wanted to have a wild proprietary strain of Texas yeast. If you go to any of the big, you know, the Kentucky heritage distilleries, almost all of them will talk about their proprietary yeast strains that their founders isolated decades ago before prohibition, sometimes even. And um, that's not, that's not marketing. That's true. And a big reason that, that, they all have proprietary strains was that when those distilleries were getting started there was no such thing as a commercial yeast supplier you know and they didn't have you know this wasn't um you know this this was uncharted you know territory back when a lot of those guys were getting going and you didn't have a ton of, you know, maybe a brewery wasn't close to you to go borrow their brewer's yeast. So if you wanted to make whiskey, you had to know how to isolate wild yeast from the environment. You had to know how to uh, make yeast. That's what they used to call master distillers, distillers and yeast makers. I mean, that's how critical it was to the job. And so it's, um, what it leads to though, is every yeast strain can produce different flavors. And so by not using commercial strains, and there's really not that many, especially, you know, there's, not a ton of choices of commercial yeast, much less is there much diversity within what's available. So if you go out and isolate your own from the wild, you really can find something unique that lends house flavors, distinctiveness to your product. And so Troy and Leonard, it really was during my interview, or what, what was more of a conversation at the time, but looking back on it now, it was kind of an interview was, you know, we want to isolate wild yeast from the environment. Can can you do that? And uh I wanted at that point I was like, I want to join these guys. So i want this job and so i was like wow inside i was like i'm not really sure but i told them i was like yeah i can do that no problem that's that's easy um i didn't really know but um the uh you know my background in school at that point was isolating marine bacteria from ocean sediment i figured it couldn't be that different um to isolate wild yeast from to make whiskey uh it actually isn't that different so a lot of the techniques overlap and but that's why i spent the first really the first uh, i guess it was like 4 to 6 months was uh trying to find a wild texas yeast and we eventually did find one um and it was on this ranch in glenrose texas that's only 45 minutes or so southwest of us and i was down at the ranch cuz it was the fr- it was owned by a friend of the company and he had some you know some copper uh some copper tanks that might have been <laughs> you know something you could use to make whiskey with, but uh I was down there picking that up because I was going to go um, practice at TX because we were still installing equipment. um And uh, but I was down there and I was with the ranch manager, and there was just the ranch was just beautiful, and there was just so much diversity out there in terms of the the, the plant life, and you know wild yeast are everywhere there, but you know they're like anything else that grows, they want nutrients, they like sugars, they like carbohydrate you know they like um fatty acids they like proteins um so things like fruits and nuts and seeds and even the bark of trees are great places to find to find wild yeast and so i went around this ranch all day with the, the ranch manager just isolating or you know basically taking samples of different fruits and nuts and seeds and soil samples and bark samples and went back to um, the lab at TCU. So Texas Christian University gave me lab space to to do this work, and um, we ended up isolating a hun- uh, more than a hundred different types of yeasts from this ranch um, using DNA sequencing. We narrowed it down to we had about 10, 11 that were actually the species that you want to that you want when you're making whiskey: Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is the Latin name uh common name is baker's yeast brewer's yeast ale yeast wine yeast um uh, it's the same species that is used to make bread ales um and, and wine and all everything you know anything else that's fermented more you know you have all, all, all a whole host of food and beverages that are um that this yeast is essentially responsible for um so then we had you know 10 or so and at that point it was just to do you know a small scale Brewing and distillations and flavor analysis and performance analysis, you know, um, narrowed it down to one that we all picked in a blind taste test that uh, we thought was very unique and it also could thrive in a bourbon mash. And it had this very spicy, sweet spice cinnamon, you know, allspice aromas, dark fruits, um, very kind of Hefeweizen farmhouse style to it, you know, that Bavarian wheat strain characteristic and that's the one we chose. And it happened to be the one from the pecan nut on the ranch. And this is where it sounds like marketing bullshit, but you know, pecans, the state tree of Texas. I didn't set out, we didn't set out to find a pecan yeast, but it did happen that of all the samples we collected, it came from the pecan, but you know, there's no pecan flavor coming from the yeast as far as i can tell it's just a, a cool aspect of the story but in our bourbon you know there's a very prominent no- there's prominent notes of cinnamon of fig of you know other baking spices that's coming from the yeast um so it's really cool to to see those flavors not just be present in the beer not just be present in the new make but even carry through all the way um, of you know all the way through maturation
2: I, I think it's so neat that you went down to Glen Rose cause I've, used to have to play football against Glen Rose because if you went went through Glen Rose on Highway 281, you went down through Heiko and then you went down to a little Hamilton and then you went a little bit further to a little bitty town called Evant, Texas. That's where I'm from.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. uh, I'm driven through uh, there.
2: I can remember going up to Glen Rose all the time to see the dinosaur uh, tracks in the river there. And uh, I think it's the Brazos River that runs through Mm -hmm. uh, Glen Rose. And I just think that's fascinating because on our ranch we had um, there's wild pecan trees everywhere. Um, yeah. So when I first heard that this had pecan uh, pecan yeast in it, I was like, man, that's <laughs> that's super fascinating. And I'm sure some of our listeners out there just gonna you know, fall in love with this interview because uh, you did such a great job of explaining, especially our good friend Dr. Pat Heist at Wilderness Trail. He probably. Oh
1: yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> well, I know. I know. I know. Pat Well and and Shane at Wilderness Trail and actually so we actually ended up working with them on this on this yeast Um, the first couple of years in production we were growing it up from scratch you know for every batch so you it's very time consuming you essentially have yeast on a you know an auger plate and little colonies and you you pluck a few colonies off and put it into some liquid yeast food and let it grow. And then it grows up. And the next day you transfer it into, into more yeast food. And, but you gotta, you know, if we were doing a thousand gallon batch at that time. And so you need 20, 30 gallons of, of a thick yeast culture, uh, per, per batch. And, um, you know, that takes time to get to that point. And so cultivating propagating yeast every day was Kind of our life for a couple of years, but then we worked with Pat and uh, Shane at Wilderness Trail. It, it, I guess really with their with the uh, Firm Solutions, their you know biotech consulting company, they're able to convert our wild yeast into a into an active dry form. So genetically, it's the same. The flavors delivers are the same. But instead of having to grow it up from scratch, we are able to work with them and in a much more efficient process um, pitch our yeast in a dry form into the fermenter. So. They uh, they had a big role actually with the way this yeast is handled. They still they actually still um the, you know the mother strain is at their is at Firm Solutions in Danville. Nice they're the ones nice. that store it.
2: So this this TX whiskey is really you guys' first whiskey that came out. Um mm-hmm. and the nose on this is just when I think of Texas whiskeys, this is the nose I get right here. That's on the table
1: the yeah. tX bourbon or the tX whiskey the, the tX bourbon yeah yeah um yeah, so we let it age for almost five years before the first batch came out in very you know December of twenty sixteen um, but i mean i I do get a prominent cinnamon fig other dark fruits other baking spices there's a there's a nice sweet grain flavor to it um, you know it doesn't have as much of that Vanilla, kind of banana bubblegum pop that some of Kentucky bourbons have. Uh, I'm still not convinced that's due to anything other than the type of distillation system. Um, You know, the traditional operation system in Kentucky is a, you know, a beer still, a big column still tied into a doubler, which is a smaller pot still. Very different bourbons are produced on those than on the pot stills that we were using at the time at the old distillery. Now, here in a few, in a really in about six months, we're going to get into stock um, that was produced on our second distillation system that is a traditional beer still doubler setup. And I, I think that you know there's going to be, you know, I'm not hiding anything. There's going to be a uh, you know a shift in some of the flavor uh, of TX Bourbon and all of our expressions. But um, you know, in my opinion, it's it's actually heading in a better direction, and that's just something that we have to get comfortable with. I think a, a lot of craft distilleries are you know this is just reality for us you don't you start off small you make improvements you only have a few barrels per batch you know it just takes uh, you know this evolution of flavor for some of these brands is just a, it's a part of the journey for us
2: Sure. That's totally understandable. To, for me, it is. For a, a whiskey nerd, you, you get mm-hmm. that, especially as many craft distilleries as the bourbon road goes into. Um, and I learn every time we talk to somebody uh, and you can s- kind of see the evolution of craft distilleries and how they've kind of grown and, and their mm-hmm. uh, journey through making whiskey and stuff. And heck, you know, I I fell in love with you guys. We we've actually been hunt, trying to hunt you down and track you down. And I don't know. I, I came to Texas two times to visit family and I don't know how I missed not coming to the distillery, but I promise you this, next time I come, I'm gonna definitely come to Fort Oh York yeah and uh come up there
1: you, and you bring have to, the so big
2: big chief there.
1: Yeah, that'd be fun and um, we started off, like I mentioned in a distillery, an old brick building outside of downtown Fort Worth, but then back in 2014, we knew we wanted to expand. So we actually bought, um, um, an old, it's, it's go- a golf course. I mean, it was still an operating golf course when we bought the the property. Um, and can, and we built our second distillery on this hundred and hundred acre piece of land. Um, still pretty close to downtown Fort Worth, maybe 10 minutes south. Um, and it's, it's, we call it whiskey ranch. It's so it's, it's a beautiful site. I mean, I'm biased, but, um, it's a really fun experience and it's a very Texas inspired experience. You know, you know, you're in Texas when you're here.
2: (laughs) Now this has a little bit more when I sip on this, it has a little bit more of a bourbon feel to it. It's got that Kentucky hug going on a little bit. When uh-huh. it goes down. What's the, what's the mash bill on this? So
1: it's, it's, it's a weeded bourbon. It's 74% corn, 14% wheat, 12% malt. Um, a very unique part of a, of our distillery is we're actually a single farm, um, operation. So one farmer supplies us all of the grain that we use, um, to distill our bourbons and our rye whiskeys that haven't come out yet. But, um, the um, the farmer's name is John Sawyer. He's in Hillsboro, So, um, you know, not, not even an hour south of Fort Worth. I met him years ago, um, probably in that 2014, 2015 range. And uh, he's a very good friend of mine now, very good friend of the company. But um, it's a very unique thing for a distillery, especially one. We do make about 40 barrels per batch now, and, and we're doing multiple batches per week so we're not a small distillery um actually we're one of the largest distilleries in the country um potentially one of the largest west of mississippi there's lots of people be building new sites and stuff so i don't know what the actual (laughs) at one point we were the largest west of mississippi largest whiskey distillery i'm not sure if that's true anymore but uh, point is, it's very rare for a distillery of any, you know, of a bigger size to be able to say that this one farm supplies all of the grain that we use to distill our our whiskeys. And so, what you're drinking uh, contains his corn and his wheat. It took us a couple of years of working with him to learn how to cultivate both rye and barley on his farm in this environment. Texas is not known to be able is not known for producing rye and barley. Typically, those two grain species do better in colder climates, or at least they've been bred as of late to do better in colder climates. They have a certain requirement called vernalization where they need cold temperature before they'll actually start to um, to, to, to fill the grain, to, to actually start to um, to move away from just growing green leaves and actually produce seeds. So, um, but we, we figured it out. John figured it out, really. Um, we didn't have a lot to do with it. Um, but he's just a very talented farmer. And so as of a couple of years ago, all of the barley that we use is grown by him and malted locally here in Fort Worth at a, at a a really good operation called Tex Malt. Um, And, and the rye as well. Now we don't have, you don't have a rye in front of you because we haven't released our TX rye yet. We've released a very small release under our experimental series, but the TX rye won't come out until uh, probably late 2022 when those barrels turn four. But, it's pretty special that um, even as of now, everything in TX bourbon and all of our various expressions, the corn and the wheat come from this one farm. And here in a few years, all of the grain in that bottle will come from this one farm.
2: That That's a pretty special thing. There, I think there is a couple of distilleries out there that are like that. that they It's a one-stop shop for them. But, right. Well, at least for their corn and their rye or their wheat but that malted barley coming from that one farmer and i'm imagining that he has to grow that in the winter time too
1: yeah yeah uh, so the the small grains the the wheat and the rye and the barley he'll plant those in you know october time frame um early november and then uh we actually we just finished up the harvest of the small grains a few weeks ago and um a little later than we usually hope to but it was very rainy here in texas for a while and you can't harvest grain when it's wet outside so
2: no that's that's uh, definitely the truth that probably used to be uh hillsborough used to be cotton country mm-hmm. um yep but but i'm sure people are nice to see that um there's grain being grown on the ground there uh corn oh, yeah. and, and rye and, and especially um wheat and barley that's that i think it's just super neat and i'm glad that you guys are expanding out there and putting a, a rye out and stuff. And hopefully the bourbon road will be one of the first people to get one of those bottles. Um, that way we can do a review on it and say, Hey, yeah, yeah. we'll put I'm our sample on it.
1: I'm very excited for the rye. The, um, the small release that we did, which wasn't actually using John John's rye. Cause it was early on when we were just trying to not nail down a mash bill, but, um, I just, I really like our rye whiskey that we produce here. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a, a really fun release when we get to that point. We we do really, I mean, working with John early on kind of set in motion, a lot of things for me personally, too, as a whiskey maker and kind of the journey I've gone on, it opened my eyes to the disparity between how whiskey makers have for a long time in general, at least, uh, pursued grain selection. Um, and comparing that to how winemakers pursue grape selection, and I, there's this, you know, you can call it whatever you want. I, I think the word for it is terroir. Or terroir. Um, I wrote a book on it called The Terroir of Whiskey. So I'm obviously again biased in this stance as well. But the point is that where that grain comes from, you know, what variety you use, and how that variety thrives in the environment that it's grown in, and what kind of agronomic techniques you're using to cultivate that grain. Those things impact the flavor of the whiskey. To what extent? Um, we're still—that's probably never going to be decided on. It's not even figured out in wine because you can't really figure that out. It's not a science at that point. You you move away from science. We do know what flavor compounds are impacted by terroir, by the environment of the farm, and the variety of grain you grow. These are meaningful ways to uh, to kind of shift the you know the flavor profile of 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 your whiskeys in whatever way you want and. Um, and it's also a way to capture something that's distinct to a place that you can't replicate anywhere else. You know, The fact that I can point to this one farm in Hillsborough and say that's where all of our grain comes from means that to some extent, at least compared to buying grain on the commodity market, you know, nobody can replicate that. There's something unique about our whiskey that will never be captured by anybody else because they don't have our grain. And that's something that's really cool. Not to mention that it removes the distillery from the commodity system, and it engages you with farmers. And direct contracts with farmers are almost always better for for their bottom line. It's better for the environment if you want. If you you know, if you, and I think that you really have a hard time pursuing flavor and grain without also pursuing ecologically friendly methods to farm that grain. So I just think it's a something the industry hasn't looked at a lot historically, but it'll a bunch of us now are starting to, in, including in Kentucky. It's not just the craft guys. You know, Whiter Reserve has got some stuff going on, Buffalo Trace. I mean, a lot of us are taking, taking aim at this idea of, okay, commodity grain. It's it makes good whiskey. No one's denying that. But what are we missing by commodity grain?
2: Sure. <laughs> well, we're up against that first half rob so when we come back listeners we'll take you through one of their newest releases at tx whiskey um, a finished uh, bourbon and then we'll finish off the episode with old big chiefs the weedy king of kentucky's one of his favorite weeded bourbons a barrel proof from him so stay with us we'll be right back <laughs>
0: So you know you can't drink whiskey without glassware, and Mike and I are extremely pleased to have a sponsor like Premium Bar Products. Premium Bar Products offers direct-to-consumer the finest whiskey glasses, cocktail glasses, and bar tools with your own personal engraving. I mean, you can write anything you want on these glasses, anything from a company logo to a personal statement and there are no minimum orders. Their direct consumer platform offers you the opportunity to purchase small quantities of your favorite glass shapes that enhance the pleasure of enjoyment and drinking of whiskey and make it all very positive. They offer the absolute finest trending and handmade glasses as well as a comprehensive range of styles and all of their items have been designed with purpose, practicality, and longevity in mind. So, if you're a bourbon or whiskey group, and you need custom logos, you need to reach out to Premium Bar Products. If you're an individual, you just want a few for your bar, to impress your friends, to give out as gifts, you need to call Premium Bar Products. They need to be your one and only source for custom glassware. I can tell you right now, the Bourbon Road, that's who we use. Janie and Carson and the team there at premium bar products will take care of you. They'll treat you like family and they'll take care of you with every order.
2: All right, listeners. Hey, it's big chief and we are back. Um, we're with Rob Arnold, the master distiller. I'd, I'd call him mad scientist of Texas. <laughs> he's uh he's, He's making whiskey down there in Fort Worth for TX whiskey, Firestone and Robinson Distilling Company. Um Rob, you guys is bottles, uh all the other bottles. Uh on top of the bottle, what what's so badass about this is there's a piece of real boot leather on top of each bottle, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. It's um it's not uh, boot leather that had been worn by anybody but it's what it is it's reclaimed boot scraps so like this all started you know from the beginning when we were designing the bottle for tx whiskey and we wanted to to like we wanted to incorporate texas elements um we didn't want it to be incredibly cheesy with it and have a big cowboy hat and a belt buckle and a massive star on the bottle but we wanted to find ways to incorporate unique elements of texas and one idea was well how can we incorporate boot leather because western boots are obviously big here and so um, you know cowboy boots and so this idea came up well why don't we get you know there could be a cap um, with boot leather on it and luckily Troy um, was you know a woodworker as a hobby and so he actually went home and cut up some boots and figured out how to make this cap with boot leather so that was great but then it was like well how do we make a lot of them and how we get the boot leather to do it we can't just cut up boots for the rest of our you know existence and so uh we reached out to a lot of the boot makers here in fort worth because this is where you know well you've got some really neat um boutique boot uh, really you know artists and style boot makers here ml Eddie's was one that we worked with early on but well, we have you know justin boot is based here and some other um some other big boot makers so reached out to them happens to be when you make a pair of boots, there's leftover parts. They call them boot scraps and that can be used to make belts or wallets or it's just trashed. So we essentially took those boot scraps, traded, you know, back then we were trading whiskey for boot scraps and, um, and that's where all the leather came from. So it was fun because it was all unique. It was all different. There could be ostrich. There could be, you know, it could be full quill. It might not be, it could be red. It could be orange. It could be purple. Um, it could be brown, you know, typical cowhide. It could be anything. You know, we had, we had stingray. We had, um, uh, what else do we have? I don't know. I mean, Python or not Python, but some kind of snake, I guess, whatever, whatever kind of snake they, uh, they use. But um, it was crazy. And, you know, everyone's unique. And so it became this really fun aspect of the bottle because people would, you know, go to the store to buy it but they would also try to figure out well what cap do i want to get and so they would pull balls off the shelf and the liquor stores hated us for a while because there was you know people were messed up the shelves looking for the right cap and here in fort worth everybody wanted purple for tcu but um it's it was a really uh it was something that i don't think we ever realized this to the extent that it would that it would have I don't know if it was the most important part of our success, but it was a it was a damn important part of it all and um and it allowed us to do some really cool charity stuff over the years you know a lot of military stuff a lot of you know working with military uniforms firefighter uniforms it doesn't we don't have to use boot leather we realize and so we've done some really unique stuff, everything from tennis balls to baseballs for sporting and stuff i mean it's it's um and it's a craft, like, you know, I can't make them. <laughs> it's like uh early on we you know it was me and Shoren Leonard making them, but quickly we hired a bottling team and I mean I'm sitting, you know, across the way from where they are right now making caps probably. So our bottling team doubles as our cap making team. And uh if you uh, if you come in you can see, I mean it's it's not a it's not an automated process. There's no machines doing it and it's not easy. It need You need someone there that knows how to make these caps to really pull it off correctly. So it's been a, it's, it's an integral part of, of our, of our distillery.
2: Well, all the bottles I got each has a different cap on it and I love yeah. them. And um, I still, every time I throw a bottle out, I'll pull the cap off a bottle yeah. and I throw it in a basket and um, you know, you, you you could, couldn't save all the bottles, but I always save the caps, kind of like my wife says, wine cork. So mm-hmm. um, I'm always excited to see all these. And one of these days, I'll do some project with all of them, I guess I don't know what I'll do with them. But let's get to the whiskey on the second half. In my glass right now, I have your sherry-finished uh, TX Texas Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Run me through this right here.
1: Yeah, so this is our our base TX bourbon You know that is same wild yeast strain, um, corn and wheat that comes from Sawyer Farms, and all of our bourbon by law is obviously aged in new charred oak barrels. We use American oak, like most bourbon producers do. Um, the barrel, what you're tasting would have come from a, th- a three a three char barrel, um, and we let it age for four years, and then we transfer it into sherry casks. So what we used were Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. So um, it's a very sweet version of sherry um molasses and um you have a lot of that sugary flavor you have deep dark fruit flavors um the sherry casks were american oak they had been aging sherry for about 20 years Um, by the time they were emptied and sent to us and then we let it age in the sherry cask uh for about eight nine months um and and then bottled it so it's got the base flavors of TX bourbon, but it's just layered on with some of that really nice molasses and sweetness, and the the super. Um, there's some of those fruit flavors are very, are just very intense. You know that I mean it tastes like sherry, and sherry's delicious. So
2: yeah, the, um, the juice inside the bottle is, uh, is double in color of what your TX bourbon is. Now this bottle is a hundred and one point six proof. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this run for in the store?
1: Uh, I think that one's closer to 60 or 65. Um, A little harder to get outside of Texas as of now, but um, we're making more of it. We're making more, you know, a bigger batch for this upcoming year. And over time, it will definitely trickle out to other markets besides just Texas. Um, It did pick up double gold in San Francisco this year, along with the, um, the port finish that is the other, um expression that we, re- we released in the finishing series this past year um it's a it's a fun whiskey to drink and um did very well with whiskey advocate um and their ratings so uh it's been it's been um i, I honestly like for the first couple of years uh, really for most of the tx's history we really only had the blend and then the bourbon and that was it we had two expressions um that essentially changed overnight at some, you know, and all of a sudden we were releasing a port finish, a sherry finish, um, barrel proof, um, experimental releases, bald and bond. I mean, all, all in the past, like two years, really year and a half, we've released all these different expressions. And so it's been really fun to, to get to do that and actually let them come to, you know, go out to the public.
2: Now this would be great by a winter fire, um it it drinks a lot hotter than 101.6 um and maybe that's that sherry uh, coming in mm. very spicy yeah um almost black peppery spice to it maybe i'd say a little bit of jalapeno <laughs> <laughs> uh a sweeter jalapeno i guess um it just is uh very rich uh very viscous v- very good it, i'm not saying it's not a good good finished bourbon it it just needs to be sipped on in the winter time i'm surprised at how uh, it drinks about i'd say a 110ish somewhere in there which is good yeah. for me I, you know if you like those higher proof whiskeys this is going to be right up your alley um, if you like something like that i th- i think it's a beautiful expression of whiskey and you don't find that many weeded bourbons that are finished out there
1: yeah, that's actually I've never thought about that, but yeah, you're right.
2: <laughs> this would be a go-to for me for finished bourbons now because um, I'm such a wheat nut. Those sweeter notes, I think, even though it's a sherry, or maybe coming from that um, wheat.
1: Well, that, know, that in this the same mellow, you know, the same mellow. You, the wheat can. I mean if you're looking at like wheat versus rye, you know, rye is higher in the the precursors that lead to a lot of those spicy, not, not like black pepper spice, but you know, cinnamon, allspice, mm-hmm. clove, those very pronounced sweet baking spices and wheat is gonna lead to less of that and to a more mellow flavor. Um and that definitely can shine through. And uh you know, with with finished whiskey, that's always about can you can you layer on what you want without covering up the things you liked in the base expression. And, um, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I, I like the way that these uh, our barrel finishes are, are still allowing the, the core profile of TX bourbon to shine through that cinnamon fig, the sweetness, um, some of the grain flavors, the sweet grain flavors. Um, but, uh, and then it's not covered up by the finish as much as, you know, to the extent that you can't recognize them anymore. Um,
2: now, you mentioned the port finish. Uh, we have a bottle of that. We're going <laughs> to save that back and we're going to review this this bad boy right here. This is a Tawny port cask and I can't wait uh, to do a review on it. Uh, so, listeners, make sure you're looking for that review on this um and those are probably pretty hard to pick up so if you're down in texas um you may may want to look for that review to see if it's worth your while to grab one of these Uh, if you're out there at the distillery visiting uh, look at that review we're going to release and uh we'll we'll be fair to you so the next bourbon you got for us um a lot of people know this. Uh, we did review this um, and gave you one hell of a review. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's your barrel proof. Uh, this one is a hundred and twenty-seven point two. I think the old one I had was a hundred and thirty-one something.
1: Yeah, we've so the the proof will change based on the batch that we're working that we that we release. Um, it's uh, it's you know, the barrel proof was always the way for years that I would drink our bourbon I would go sample a barrel and take that home for the weekend and I pushed and pushed for a long time that we need to release our bourbon at barrel proof I felt that um while the 90 proof expression especially in the past couple of years has really come into its own I always felt like at 90 proof early on it like we lost so much full of was special at the higher proof and finally I got <laughs> I got, I got the green light to do it and um We've been, I don't know, just, it it was, it's, it's been a great experience because it's finally the bourbon out there, the way that I have drank it from, from basically the, you know, day one. And um, you still get the same base, you know, those same notes of cinnamon and allspice and fig and all that, but it's, and you know, brown sugar and caramel, but it's just, it's just amped up. And um, I do think, you know, I think you agree so it's not just me saying it um that it's a very drinkable high proof bourbon
2: well it's it i put this bottle in my top five of weeded bourbons out there and that's high praise right there
1: yeah it is uh, i like that <laughs>
2: Right up there with a Weller twelve, to me a, a wilderness trails, yeah. some of their stuff they have. Uh, if you can get it, it, it high proof like one ten or something. Um, one of their bottles, um, your guys's bottle uh, comes to mind. Um, New Legends one fifteen um, is is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. So right up there with those um, other weeded bourbons out there. This is one of my favorite ones. And me and you talked at length beforehand in the the break about weeded bourbons and my love for them and stuff. And listeners out there, you know how much I love those. Um, Everybody kind of makes fun of me for them. But, hey, to each their own. You know, you guys keep drinking that rye Rob bourbon and I'll keep drinking my weeded bourbon. It uh, just leaves more for me. And more people are getting on the train. They're getting on a big chief train and learning that they gotta make weeded bourbon. So um <laughs> I say cheers to you I'm going to sip on some of this. Um so Rob, what are we what do we got to expect from T X bourbon uh in the future? Uh
1: well, not in the future, I just we did just release the first Texas bald and bond expression. Um, it's a single barrel uh, as well. And that was another big project that we had, we've been wanting to do for a while. And um, that is going to be something that we'll work with liquor stores mainly to what well, they'll do barrel picks and be able to have their own, uh, you know, barrel pick of our bald and bond expression. But uh, the next couple of years will We'll see a lot. I mentioned the rye, so we'll have TX rye um, come out. Um, we have a cognac finish of our bourbon that will come out later this year. So the port and the sherry finishes will continue to be on the shelf, but we'll also add a cognac finish to the... We call it the finishing series. In um, uh, I guess from not so much like what's happening at the product level yet, but we are engaged actively in breeding pursuits, plant breeding. So that's what my PhD is actually in, is in plant breeding and breeding new varieties of corn for now. But we actually, we actually did just start breeding new varieties of rye recently. And, um, this is a long-term play, but the hope is that we're going to, or the aim is that we're breeding varieties that are tailored for whiskey, uh, which has never been done before. So most of the corn, not all, all the corn and the wheat and the rye that we use, um, and especially this is true with the corn, was was bred for, the, for other purposes, usually to feed animals or um, make white flour for bread. So we're trying to think back to the way grain used to be created and you know bred and selected and grown was there was flavor that was a part of the situation and we we want to bring that back and specifically in the context of whiskey and so that'll be a big pursuit of ours for at least the next 10 years um luckily there's a lot of money behind us funding this um we have support from our you know from up top and um other distilleries are, are actively engaged in similar pursuits um westland out in out in Washington has got something similar going on for, for barley. So I think that that is, um, a massive frontier in general, um, for, for whiskeys, for American whiskeys, as well as whiskeys over in the, in Europe and beyond that is, a is really trying to refocus how we, how we do grain. Um, so, so you that'll are, be something you, that we do.
2: So you are a true mad scientist. You're just out <laughs> there. just like. Me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah if like, I, if, if if I could, thing. I would just. If I could, I would do science experiments all day out here. But unfortunately, there's also, um, you know, the day-to-day stuff. But, uh, um, I think there's a lot there. We do have a new. Uh, I mean this getting a little detailed but we have a new barrel program that we in- implemented a few years ago um doesn't mean that our expressions are going to have name changes but again like there's a there's a gradual slow evolution to a flavor or to flavor in any whiskey brand and especially for us younger brands that's going to continue to happen for a while and um you know I would just urge people that are you know remember that as these as a, some of these younger brands evolve and and get you know change their process change their ingredients and the way that improves it you know you're gonna see some flavor changes but you know that's part of the journey with all these craft distilleries and so we're we're squarely in that in that as well you know and that's fun it's a good thing
2: well i always try to point out to people i'm like hey uh like jim beam is is over 200 years old right right (laughs) and but I think if you would have drank Jim Beam whiskey back 200 years ago, it didn't exactly taste like it does now. Um, no, no. So people need to remember that even our dad's whiskey isn't what we're drinking today. And yeah. Jack Daniels probably doesn't taste the same as it does it today. You know, you see all these single barrels of that out there and it's totally different. So, uh, you know, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Bear with these guys and let them grow and let them taste their expressions and love them from what they are um, and get those different varieties and stuff. And, mm. and I got to applaud you for what you put out there in bottles, because, you know, this barrel proof right here is just amazing. It it hits. I could drink this all night long and uh, get I can put off an entire book of layers, you know, complexities of different notes from this. You know, you get some cereal notes like Fruit Loops in this and yeah, yeah. Um, some honey nutted Cheerios and just, <laughs> I like it. Uh, some, f- you know, fig Newton and cookies. I can just keep going and going yeah. and going. You just get something different with every sip and it's so beautiful and it's nice to see somebody else out there love whiskey as much as we do um, from a distillery point. Uh, it's not we'll just about it. the business. It's about the art of making whiskey and a true artisan making whiskey in yourself. Um, I called you a mad scientist and I'm kidding around, but I could see the love oh, in your
1: face. Pretty close.
2: Um, <laughs> well, hey, it, it, you, you call a spade a spade. You know, you are a, a true <laughs> scientist, right? Um
1: yeah, I mean to be to be fair to not fair, but just to you know, I'm much more on the science side and, and quality control side. Um, my title is master distiller, but we have a very talented team of distillers who handle day to day operations here, led by Evan Brewer. So, I'm um, a very talented blender in Allie Ochoa. Um So we have the I guess you call it the luxury of having um, resources and a team and um, and freedom to explore and. Um, you know, we never assume we have it figured out, um, never get complacent because if you do, that's, that's kind of, that's when you've lost the the passion and the, and the, for the craft.
2: Now, can our listeners expect when that rye comes out, can they expect a barrel proof rye too?
1: Um, I, at some point, definitely, I don't know if it's going to be the first. And then when we come out with, uh, with the rye in late 2022, but, um, it hasn't been decided yet. I, I'm always for pushing barrel proof. So I'm all, I'm always for pushing higher proof. I have to remind myself that that sounds a lot like the beer guys wanting to put out the hoppiest beer in the world every time. And that doesn't always, that's not always the right move, but, um, for people like me and you and, and, uh, and there's others out there, obviously, you know, big proof is, um, is, uh, something that we like.
2: Well, so you know, we talked about the future. We've talked about all your whiskeys. We talked about, you know, the science that goes in the magic that goes in there because there is some magic that happens in the barrels. Right. Uh, and that Texas, you figured out that Texas heat down there. Um And I always compare a four-year Texas bourbon to like a 12 to 14-year-old Kentucky bourbon. Um, So if you're listening out there and you just look at it and be like, that's only a four-year-old bourbon, um, listeners – don't be mistaken that there's some kind of magic that happens there in that Texas heat. Um, and Rob, man, you've, you've definitely got it figured out. I know you guys work close with all the other distillers there. It's like a true uh, Texas whiskey family uh, from right up the road from you and Denison from Ironwood mm-hmm. down to Waco. Oh, yeah. To 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 whiskey Jesus down there at uh, balconies, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan down at Garrison Brothers. Um, you guys got the the basics covered there in Texas, and you guys have figured it out, and you've uh, kind of roped that Texas heat and got it tamed down a little bit. So I got to applaud you for that. Where can our listeners find you guys on social media?
1: Uh, so the the I guess the uh, on instagram it's it's um at tx whiskey um same on on twitter and facebook and um i'm at uh at tx distiller if you want to follow mine mine's a little more geeky and send uh you know sciencey but um and not so many cocktail shots but um not not a knock on our instagram or anything but it's just a different <laughs> kind of uh, approach you know but um And, uh, and if you go on our website, you can, which is frdistilling.com because somebody else owns txwhiskey.com and they want a stupid um, amount of money for it. But, um, right now, so we're still frdistilling.com, which is a throwback to the original, uh, distillery name, Firestone and Robertson distilling. But, um, you can look up where we're located and, um, and what states carry us and, um, and where we are in those states.
2: Now is your distillery open for tours at this time?
1: We're open for events right now. It's like tonight actually we have um the release of our I'm sorry, but it's a high rye bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> but we're releasing a high rye bourbon um which is really the base it's the bourbon that goes into the blend. Uh this is one that we distilled but we're releasing it as a as a straight bourbon not as a component in a blend. Um And so we're doing events. We're releasing that tonight. um, And tours should be happening here in the next couple of months.
2: Um, uh, And what does a tour cost of any cost, anything or what would it cost? It it does. I,
1: um, I think it's 10, 15 bucks. You get to do a tasting after um, our mix. You know, we've got a, he hates when I call him a mixologist, but our, (laughs) we have a on staff mixologist bar manager that, uh, we'll make cocktails for you and you get to taste those too.
2: He's a whiskey slinger. Tell tell him that from now on. Say big chief said you're a whiskey slinger that night. There no, you go. I like that. Slinger. I'll
1: call him that. <laughs> <laughs> so they come
2: in and do a tour. What about uh military discount? Do you guys offer a military discount there?
1: It's a good question. I'm sure if we don't, we will <laughs> with that question, especially, but, um, I, I, uh, I'm sure if we don't, you, um, you can get one, but uh if you're a military and you can hold me to that. So if you call up their email and they tell you no, tell them to, <laughs> that they need to email or call Rob and and uh that they uh need to enforce that. So I'll double check on that for you.
2: We appreciate that, Rob. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the bourbon road. We appreciate your time. We know you're busy there. Um, you know. Keep doing what you're doing, loving your whiskey craft out there, uh, putting great whiskey out there for our, for our listeners to, to sip on. Um, and, and thanks it. so much, man.
1: No, oh, thank you for having me, Big Chief. And enjoy the crisp, cooler Kentucky night, because we sure as hell don't get those in Texas this time of <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah,
2: I think it's supposed to be like 65 here tonight, so it's oh, supposed man. to be nice and beautiful. Time for a fire down by the creek.
1: Yeah, uh, that sounds great.
2: So, so listeners, uh, we do two shows a week. We do a whiskey review on Mondays, where we kind of pick apart a craft distilleries whiskey. Sometimes we'll throw in there a big boy, check out those reviews. We'll post them on our website. And then we do a long episode, usually about an hour long with great guests like Rob Arnold from TX whiskey and check those out. You know, if you got that commute to work, it takes you 30 minutes to get to work. Play first half on the drive-in. We'll get you home, all the way home for that other 30 minutes. Check out those episodes. We are a veteran-owned and operated podcast. Both me and Jim are veterans, so we appreciate your love. Keep listening to us. Uh, We want you to scroll up to the top of whatever app you're on listening to us and hit that subscribe button. Then scroll on down and give us that five-star review because you do not want Big Chief's alternate ego coming out the big bad booty daddy of bourbon. You don't want me to come find you and make you give me that five star. So give me that five star review. You know, you want to, um, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Heck, I don't even know what else is out there. Find us on all those. We have a private Facebook group called the bourbon roadies. We are 2100 people strong Three things to get into that group. Are you 21? Do you like bourbon? Hell yes, you like bourbon. Or you wouldn't be listening to my big ass. Come on. You like bourbon. And do you agree to play nice? Because we don't tolerate any rudeness as the great Texas Ranger. um, McCall said on Lonesome Dove, we don't tolerate any rudeness. If somebody wants to drink from the bottom of the shelf all the way to the top, we want them to be able to post those bottles and stuff. That's what we do. We don't do politics. We don't do religion. Uh, We don't do social issues in our Facebook group. Uh, We celebrate life. Uh, we celebrate whiskey. That's what we want you to do with us. Put your birthday is up there. Put your deaths of your family up there and celebrate their lives. Share a pour with us. Um, we do great giveaways on there. You will find people in there from all the way from master distillers like De Rob Arnold, all the way down there to your brand new whiskey enthusiasts. So come on in and join us. We'd love for you to be part of our family. We have a great website, thebourbonroad.com, where you can pick up our gear, the bourbon bullshitter t-shirt. Everybody needs one of those, right, um, to wear into distillery, and they'll be like, where are you from? <laughs> you can say, hey, this is the bourbon road right there. We also have a bourbon road t-shirt that you can grab or one of our Glen Cairns that I'm drinking out of right now from our great sponsor, Distillery Products. You can pick those up on there or one of our ball caps. You could also read my blogs on there that I write. It's not necessarily about the episode that day, just my thoughts on whiskey at the time. It could be from a place to visit or just about the whiskey industry. So check those out check out our reviews on there on um, that way. You can kind of decide on what you want to buy. Um, Adam Boothby from Chattanooga, Tennessee helps us out. He writes some of those reviews. Sometimes we'll have a guest reviewer on there that will write a review for us. So make sure you check out those. You can always reach out to us for ideas. You've got something for a show you want to hear or a guest you want us to have on. We'll try to get them on here. You can always reach out to Jim at jshannon63. I'm one big chief, and we'll see you on down the bourbon road.